What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hi, my name is Tyler Fornis, and I am the co-host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hunky here on the Voice Wrestling Podcasting Network. Every week, my co-host Fred Moreland and I discuss all the happenings of all elite wrestling and everything going on in the universe of Tony Khan. We talk about Dynamite, we talk about Rampage, and we will talk about Collision when the time comes as well, along with all the appearances outside of AEW from all the best talents in all elite wrestling. This is one of the more cohesive wrestling companies in the entire world, and we discuss every intricacy about it, including the unique booking of Tony Khan that is both a huge positive and a major detriment. Check us out every single Thursday here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Do you like professional wrestling? Well, we like professional wrestling too. This is Shake Them Ropes. I am Jeff Hawkins along with Chris Novembrino. And Chris, I have warned you about this, but um, I have been watching old Freebirds videos because I, I have a bunch of DVDs that, that's a compilation of them. And uh, and my <laughs> two things, I'll start with the good in terms of I, I watched one good thing. I watched how they debuted in Memphis and they debuted them. They gave them a promo up top brought him back in the second hour and it was like a 30 to 30 ish minute match against Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee, the two top baby faces in the territory where they got a clean pin and it was, it was, uh, it was time limit remaining. So it ended up one, one fall. And of course beat down afterwards. So, you know, you get the 50, 50, but you also get a clean pin over the top two baby faces in the territory. I thought that was really good, but I did see something that has shaken the foundations of my old school fandom georgia championship wrestling another thing that i'm trying to catch up on in terms of uh my fandom memphis uh georgia and continental are things i'm I'm watching old stuff of because i've been told it was great etc but it's the Freebirds against ted dibiase and steve-o and terry gordy pile drives ted dibiase on the concrete and DiBiase makes it into rolls into the ring barely by the 10 count. Gordy gives him another pile driver. One, two, kick out. Gordy picks him up, gives him another pile driver. One, two, kick out at 2.9. And then Tommy Rich comes in and throws in the towel so that there's no more of that. So at least they kind of protected the pile driver. But at the same time, I'm just like, my God, he was he was training with the Blackpool Combat Club and he moved his neck. All those things I say about, you know, it used to be that a pile driver would put you out for months dead because Georgia killed it. 
kicking out a, yeah, a multiple kickouts on a power driver is pretty egregious. I thought that was too, but I also remember, you know, I think DiBiase was the top baby face in Georgia. They were trying to build him to be as such, so I get it. And they weren't exactly powerful kickouts, but still, I just went, oh man, now I got to issue a mea culpa on my show because not everybody protected the pile driver as much as other territories did. I just, I just went, ah, there's one, there's one I'm going to have to eat it on. But yeah, um, top news story coming out today, an article in Bloomberg, the asking price for WWE has been leaked in a report today. The outlet, this, this this is an aggregator. So they're reading from Bloomberg. The outlet reports that McMahon wants to sell for as much as 9 billion and offers have already been made. Bloomberg noted that the asking price is 37% greater than the $6.5 million market value of the company. It is believed that UFC's parent company, Endeavor Group Holdings, Inc., and the Saudi Arabia government would be the most interested, but Endeavor would need help from a third party because, as Bloomberg noted, its market capitalization of $10.4 billion is only a bit more than what McMahon wants. First of all, give me your initial thoughts on that, because I have a theory. You, you said the number was $10 billion? Uh, $9 billion is, is the asking price, as much as, so whatever. It's fun. No, that, no, no, because that's uh, wait, you didn't tell me what the number was before the show, and in my head, that's, you're like, it's a really high number. It's going to be inordinate. <laughs> um, and, and in my head, I was like, oh, he's got to be asking $10 billion. Um, oh really okay so you yeah. thought it was even more than than it was yes yes you know no, that's what they're exactly. saying is i believe endeavor's market capitalization is 10.4 billion and that's only a bit more than what mcmahon wants for his company yeah um so i, I mean like if we're reasonably valuing this company it's under two billion dollars in actual value right 6.5 million is how much we think WWE... is the market value of the company. Wow. Or wait, say no, it's six point five billion. My father. I think. Yeah, I was. I was, I was, I was well, really... well, the quote. Well, well the quote you, here. You're hurting I, my brain with like. Well, no, like... it's it's funny because the aggregator I got this from actually made a misspelling in their article, which means I'm never going to those guys again. But it says the asking price is thirty seven percent greater than the six point five million. I was like, okay, that that's bad math right there. But I'll keep reading. Uh, so yeah, no, six point five no, billion is no, the market value. That even feels high. I agree. That, I, that I think there's some I, I funny math going on in there. Yeah, yeah. Six point five billion feels because I, I mean, why would this company be worth that much more than about a decade ago when the stock price was about the same? Like, uh, like because they they had their first like really big run like in like 2013, 2014. and at that point the company was only worth like what one point five billion. So I'm I'm just having a hard time getting my brain around. This company appreciating in value. TV rights and probable upselling of how much those might be worth in the next negotiations, plus the Saudi that's Arabia a, deal. That's that's a I mean that's a lot of can value I, added. Can I give you another theory? Sure. And this is my more most cynical theory of it, is that Vince McMahon was <laughs> took back power to facilitate a sale of the company, and then he decided to make a price so high nobody's going to be willing to pay it. So he can just, in the meantime, take back power while he's in there saying, no, I'm trying to have a sale. How much do you want for it? A hundred million billion dollars. 
well, nobody's going to pay that. Yeah, but I, I'm here to facilitate a sale. You know, that kind of thing. Kind of thing where it's like he doesn't really want to sell the company. So he'll put a price so high that he doesn't think anybody will take it. People do this with real estate all the time. No, they, totally. they, they try and they try and screw the market by asking for something so ridiculous. This happened in my parents' neighborhood, and then somebody actually bought it. And so the next day, every single other house for sale in the neighborhood went up by about three hundred thousand dollars. And you're just like, that is insane. I mean, yeah. If somebody that, pays it, it's it's what it's 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 a value. It's what they're willing to pay for it. It's a correct I mean, price. It, it seems to me. It seems to me that he's almost pricing this to sell it to a government like the government of Saudi Arabia but but that's not but but see even the, the see that's not exactly true it's it it's a fund that has back some backing by the by people within the government or like the royal family but it, but it's you know it's the fund that owns the uh the LIV golf league the competitor for uh, the competitor for the PGA. It's not really the actual, you know, it's not like <laughs> head of booking is going to get like a cabinet position in, in the Saudi Arabian government or something. Uh, uh, that would be amazing. If, <laughs> MBS, if MBS wanted to become the latest fail son to book a wrestling promotion, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do let's do an angle involving a journalist. No, no, that's not. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, Hor yeah, horrible yeah. things happen to Dave Meltzer at the it's, end of the <laughs> It's government adjacent when, when they say these things. Of course, I picked one of the worst aggregators ever to do it. And I should have just gone to Bloomberg. I, I will do better in the future, people. But That's yeah. what you get for going to scoopsnews.com.org. I think it was like wrestlingnews.co, which has actually had a decent track record of late. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just, I can see, you know, meeting of the royal family. <laughs> and especially given the first crown jewel. <laughs> Let's book Yokozuna versus the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> right, yeah, like, like MBS is, like, initial things is... <laughs> Well, can we get Yokozuna? Well, no, sir. He's he's not with us anymore. Can we get someone who looks like Yokozuna and put him out there as Yokozuna? <laughs> get me almost. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jerry Jarrett, Jeff Jarrett's father, uh, passed away. Um, one of the key figures during the territory days um, as both a performer and especially as a booker. Um, For, for modern day fans, I think, his importance is is interesting in terms of being one of the guys behind the original um nwa tna when they're in the pay-per-view weekly mode but also um a little bit of trivia for those who may not know this it seems to be fairly well known but some people aren't necessarily wrestling observer subscribers etc is that when vince mcmahon had his steroid trial in 1993 if he had gone to prison, the guy who would have been in charge of WWF at that time would have been Jerry Jarrett. I've always found that to be one of the most fascinating footnotes in like Jarrett's life, just because it's like it's wild that Vince was legitimately considering Jerry Jarrett to be the guy who was going to be the caretaker. I think it makes sense, though. And and here's why it makes sense is is and after, you know, look, I, my knowledge in Memphis is not uh, bone deep necessarily, but I've been watching a lot more of it. Jerry Jarrett loved 
Um, I'm mean, he had a he had a plaque in his office that said uh, personal issues draw money. He he was big into the soap opera aspects of storytelling in wrestling many times and mostly involving his family members too. So if he wanted to like script the McMahon family doing things, he could do that. But it, it made sense to me as the more I watch Memphis wrestling, which even in, even in Dave's obituary today, or uh, that came out in the observer, he says this Tennessee wrestling was considered low rent with the idea. It was less sports-like Jared himself felt that Eddie Graham's championship wrestling, Florida and Vern Gagne's AWA to him were boring television shows. Jerry Jarrett was 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 big into the melodrama of wrestling, so it makes sense. Well, to and me. he viewed it as a television show, which yes. I, I think, in that sense, uh, makes him very much simpatico with the general motif of our show. Yeah, I will. Uh, I will. Uh, I will give a little bit of a background. Read a few uh, paragraphs that I've selected from the obituary because I think it's a very solid obituary. And the more I read about him, the more I I want to get to know this guy a little bit more um, in terms of things I don't know. Uh, he's one of the key figures in the history of Tennessee wrestling. First as a babyface wrestler, then as a booker for Nick Gulas and Ray Ro- Roy Welch, where he turned Memphis into the best drawing weekly U.S. city for wrestling in the country for most of the period from 1971 through the late 80s. He then opened up his own company, Jared Promotions, competing with Gulas and Welch in 1977 when he took Jerry Lawler and announcers Lance Russell and Dave Brown as the key people for this promotion. That's another thing that that I really have started to notice about uh, Jared. And of course, everybody knew Lance Russell was great, but his whole thing was that announcers had to have credibility. With, with the audience they weren't going to be clowns on the show necessarily like if something happened to an announcer it was it was like you know hitting hitting your mother kind of a thing you know it's like you don't dare touch lance russell because they were both respected newsmen who came over and and did wrestling for a living uh of more interest jared was also the booker for georgia championship wrestling during the war with ann gunkel's all south wrestling hired by Jim Barnett when he was only 31 years old because of the reputation he had from booking Tennessee. He also briefly ran world-class in Dallas when he took it from a big-money loser to profitable and afterwards had a falling out with Kevin and Kerry Von Erich. They took back over, and the promotion failed shortly thereafter. And, of course, he was also Vince McMahon's pick to run the WWF when Vince McMahon feared going to jail in 1993. He was soft-spoken, would talk slowly and carefully, and at times would hide how smart he really was. Many were lulled into the idea he wasn't the smart smart man in the room, which usually made him the smartest man in the room. I love that paragraph from Dave. <laughs> um, I t- talked about what people, how people view Tennessee wrestling. Um, talking about the Andy Kaufman angle, as big as the Andy Kaufman angle was in 1977, they were working on one that would have dwarfed it. The idea was to do a Lawler versus Elvis Presley match. Presley was a big fan and they'd sell him as a threat because he had a karate background with the idea of wrestling versus karate. Talks were ongoing when <laughs> Presley suddenly passed away. <laughs> this would have been outstanding. I uh, think you uh, know uh, if uh, Elvis uh, would have agreed uh, to it, especially like fat man karate, I'm, I'm here for this, man. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, 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 give me 1980 Elvis, like, give me like, Elvis as Shinya Hashimoto. Yes, exactly. No, no, put it. I, I'm literally, I'm literally seeing fat Elvis dressed up as Shinya Hashimoto right oh, now, and I'm yes. so here for this. 
I don't. Now I'm angry we never got it, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, even Hashimoto doing a fat Elvis gimmick would have been pretty legit. But I yeah, want, yeah, yeah, I yeah, want yeah. Elvis with the flag of Japan bandana. <laughs> like, I just just him hitting Lawler with a kick and going like karate. Like, just like one time. <laughs> like, come on now. Um, notable angles that he was responsible for. Uh, he, he was, uh, he established Rick Rude, who had been a preliminary wrestler in Mid-South. I watched some of that recently as a legitimate main event draw with Lawler and others. The Road Warriors were also big draws there against the fabulous ones in Lawler and Austin Idol. Also notable, the Lawler versus Randy Savage feud in 1985 that culminated in a loser leaves town match so that Savage could then go to the WWF. And of course, uh, I watched one of the mo- more famous angles he ever did involving his son, uh, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett was a referee in in Memphis, and he was ref- refing a squash match uh, involving Buddy Landell and superstar Bill Dundee, who then went on to just attack the ref. And then Jarrett made the save, and then later on came on, and he's, and he's like, I was told I shouldn't come on because I shouldn't cry, but they attacked my son. And, you know, it was the soap opera type stuff, but it was really, really effective for what professional wrestling was. And especially in that time when people still thought it was real. Um, I, I think I've, I've really started to grow on watching his product and, and just... I mean, we we've watched certain things when we were doing the Lawler Kaufman stuff, and I mean, and while you know Lawler kind of booked for half the year, and 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 Jared booked for half the year, we we saw a lot of things like the, uh, you know, like the first family celebrations. I mean, they they were big into those types of type of gimmick type things, and you could see how Mid South and Jim Crockett Promotions and other places would kind of steal from those ideas as they brought talent who had been there before and reused some of that stuff, and it's really been kind of an influence on what modern-day WWE is as well. Yeah, it's funny. For as much of an arm length uh, as Vince used to like to put between himself and Memphis wrestling. Like, like not so you, don't, you you wouldn't have heard it so much in the last 15 years, but if you go and watch the stuff, like Vince interviews from the 90s or the aughts, he does often, you know, whenever he talks about like older wrestling or whatever, he sort of poo-poos Memphis wrestling. But like, does he? Because it's in. Uh, let me cut you off here just real quick. He says wrestling. He hates Southern wrestling. I don't know if he yeah. hates Memphis wrestling because he let he let guys go there towards the end of the USWA's run, and that's the first place where the Mister McMahon character debuted, wearing a title belt. Even before he went into WWE to become a, a, a WWF to become an in-ring competitor, he debuted himself as kind of a performer who was there to troll Memphis and that kind of wrestling and stuff. I think he secretly liked it. I no, think I, I, I do too. I, I think it's it's increasingly clear that like, like especially like the the first family celebration type stuff. Vince loved those type of angles clearly, yeah. and he he liked doing them a lot with the corporation. And all the various iterations. Yeah, he liked yeah. the camp. He liked the yeah. camp that Brian he just he amped it up a little bit. I think yeah, the Mister McMahon character and basically most of the Mister McMahon storylines are like yes, hyper ramped up New Yorkified Memphis storylines. Yeah, I, I would agree there. Uh, and and yeah, go go read Dave's uh, obituary in this week's Observer, guys. It's it's really strong. And yeah, Dave can Dave sometimes gives the history of somebody from fetus until <laughs> until death, but it's long and it's worth it and it's very very interesting stuff. 
In uh, jurisprudence news, we had reported on this earlier, but uh, U.S. District Court Judge Edward Davila of the Northern District of California in San Jose threw out MLW's antitrust lawsuit against the WWE and canceled the discovery process, noting it would be moot. But he did keep the case alive by allowing MLW to amend the suit within 21 days of the February 13th order. Davila wrote that MLW's complaints did not present strong enough evidence for antitrust allegations, and the court did not have the jurisdiction over the case if it, if not for the Sherman Act claims. Davila also wrote that the complaint fell short and said that the allegation in the complaint must state a claim for relief that is plausible on its face, which apparently Davila believed the complaint didn't do. He ruled that the complaint didn't allow the court to draw a reasonable inference that the WWE was liable for MLW losing their two TV deals. Jerry McDevitt all... is a G. He, yeah. he he knows the rules, and he and he'll say correlation isn't causation. And uh, Your Honor, we think you should dismiss this. Okay, click. <laughs> there are there are a number of different ways that they could have tackled this, but not the least of which is just showing that MLW is a pretty weak company, anyways. So like, yeah, but like, you're not going to get antitrust because nope, there are other nope. wrestling companies out there. Nope, exactly. And like a lot of trust, antitrust laws are not particularly strong right now. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Like, no. In a uh, weak economy, you can't argue monopolies for the most part, too. It's, yeah. I'm, uh, uh, you know, every time you think there's a, there's a window of hope and then you just end up like Jesse Pinkman, he can't keep getting away with this. Yes. Yes, he can. And he will. It, it's, it will always be, you know, fascinating to me that like wwe has been able to essentially become a monopoly but like we won't call them out and and, and it, it i think it's you know with going back to the valuation of the company why is the company worth what it's worth i think you know underneath the funny mat there it's the fact that they're an effective monopoly that yes. they have complete industry dominance. So like they, they yes. are the brand. When you say pro wrestling you say wwe still right right like like i mean they are coca-cola yeah, if you're like a venture capitalist firm or something, right? Like, like you would buy the number one, like the industry leader in sandals, and you wouldn't think twice about it. Like, yeah, like Birkenstocks. It, it, right. <laughs> no, I mean, why like, were you so quick on the sandals? If I don't know, I don't wear them. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah, but like, no, I mean, you would just you, with WWE, they have the wrestling market cornered, and I, it, I guess this will, we'll get into our ratings numbers here in a minute, but like. It's not clear that anyone else has really figured out how to crack the nut and no. anyone's no, even close to it. No, you can't prove that they're liable for your injuries and you can't prove that they're, I mean, McDevitt is just, and he's, and McDevitt has become a millionaire 10 times over because that's his client. And I'll go, I'll go one step further. It, like, let's suppose that there was actual antitrust actions against WWE. I'm not entirely sure what that looks like or how that plays out or if that even ends up in a more favorable market at the end of it. Well, I mean, I, I think it'd be right and good to label them as a monopoly. Um, but I don't know. Like what, what then do you break them up like Ma Bell? No, the, the, because they don't have subsidiaries necessarily. So you right. can't do that. They don't have like state WWE offices that you could then put in there. I, I think because they use their market leverage to keep small, companies out i think that's viewed as antitrust in many ways but you know it, it's much like when i talked about hey you want to regulate pro wrestling the people they're going to call in there are people who work for wwe 
you know that that's the way this has always been is that when large when when a when a industry becomes so large and starts making so much that that the government then feels the need to step in and regulate for the most part they, the government doesn't know anything about this business so they'll call in the same people that they're trying to regulate and they'll make a deal about them it's it, it, it with them you know that banks the same thing happened so uh, yeah i just it's one of those things where you're just going to have to play ball, but we're going to talk a little bit about quote unquote wrestling wars right now because Tony Khan was on Dan Lebitard's podcast. I'm going to read a quote from him. I do know it's a real war between AEW and WWE. It's basically saying that they don't like each other beforehand. Tony Khan said, and the fans are interested in it. And that was part of the original business model of AEW was I knew wrestling fans, frankly, are very interested in wrestling free agency and wrestling wars. And I believe we could create a free agent market that is definitely a real thing now, and that would be a big part of the story. I think wrestling fans at the end of the day that a lot of what happens in wrestling shows is sometimes story, and that's why people like watching the shows. They like stories and the exciting matches, and especially the combination of the two when the stories lead to exciting matches and vice versa. Now, what's interesting is the story that is the most real, the most intense, and the most hatred in all of pro wrestling is that between the two wrestling promotions, I think we truly, truly hate each other. And I think it makes for a really exciting TV and it makes for an exciting wrestling war. Chris, the floor is yours. What? <laughs> Dude. People. Let's have real talk. This guy is high on his own bullshit. Just gonna need to lay that out here uh th this is delusional stuff this this is deeply delusional stuff they're they're not in a wrestling war uh th there is not a really exciting free agency pool right now or, what is that sasha banks mercedes monet is that like what we're actually pointing to is the exciting free agent the rumor right now is that kenny omega might be looking to leave cool really exciting uh <laughs> it, 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 so so we have Sasha Banks and Kenny Omega. Pretty much. Wow. Dynamic stuff. Okay. Uh yeah, no, I well, I, I just I that that's not this is not the 1990s. This is not Diesel, you know, maybe Shawn Michaels leaving your company, maybe Bret Hart leaving your company, Razor Ramon, the one, two, three kid. Like like these those are those were actual names. Um and I'm not saying that Sasha Banks and Omega aren't, but like you need a lot of names to make it an interesting roster war. You can't a roster war can't just consist of like uh male talent and a female talent that both companies might want. That's not that exciting. Nor does it have any less. I think he overstates the amount that the wrestlers themselves hate WWE. I, I mean, that's the other thing where I'm saying he's delusional. Like, as I said, he's very much high on his own supply right now. Um, there is not an animus towards AEW at all on WWE's broadcast. Um, they actually will mention the company, not like necessarily by name, but like they'll they're not omitting it all from history. It's certainly not with Cody Rhodes' storyline. Not, um, not with Hunter in control, no. No. Um, Vince, it, they will, but... <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. But, like, then let's go over to AEW side. Where is the anti-WWE animus? Is that supposed to be the Britt Breaker fantastic storyline that's happening? I, I, in the I think it's from former employees who have chosen to sign there. That they weren't used well enough. I'm thinking, you know, your Ruby Riots. Right. Your Tony Storms. 
Soraya's. They wouldn't let me back in the ring because of this. Maybe a little bit of uh, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson from, you know, they wouldn't let me go to my full potential type thing. That's not the company. That's not the company, right? Like those are contractors for the company. If you want to call them independent contractors, sure. Or you just mean contractors for the company. Never mind. Sorry. I, I I mean they're yeah they're I mean I'm I'm like I'm saying like John Moxley is not a VP. Uh, he has some position in there. Now. Does it? Does with he the now? new contract? With oh, the okay, new contract, with the I new contract. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, so I mean, like I I do think like, but they, they're not they, wearing shirts for the brand and saying you know it's not sports yeah. ball where they're rooting yeah. you know kind of, because they all have friends in the other company. Right, and they don't want their friends to all be out of... That's the thing. What really keeps this from being a war is it's not like they're trying to wipe out the other company. Exactly. <laughs> if WWE wanted to wipe out AEW, they probably could. It, and But you'll In never get ways. to that. I mean, people, people, right. might, people might convention that because of oh well look at the uh, look at the ratings that they get on Turner etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah okay it's a great relationship if WWE went to Turner and said we can give you a show and double your ratings they might jump at that I think I yeah don't know. Or, right yeah especially if Vince came in there and lowballed what like that show was worth like yeah. and basically gave Turner an offer they couldn't refuse no like Vince like this whole idea that Tony's like in this fight no, you're not, dude. The the uh, the guy on the other side of the ring is toying with you right now. He's he the thinks- guy in the bar looking to show how tough he is by by talking trash in the bar and wanting yeah. the big guy in the bar to slug him. And whereas like, I, whereas the guy that WWE is probably going to be more worried about is the quiet guy <laughs> who you don't know, and that's what's getting me about this. It's like I get he wants to. He wants to go out there and really market himself as the alternative. The problem is he's marketing himself as the alternative. Not himself. himself. Yeah, Tony Khan. Yeah, Tony yes. Khan. It's a cult of Khan. It's a cult of Khan versus, you know, I know MJF does media. I know some of the other guys do media. I would be sending all these guys out and trying to do media if this is what you really want. And it doesn't seem like it's a full-on blast, and it doesn't seem like a lot of people want to have professional wrestlers on because of the stigma i get it but this yeah this just seems this is eric bischoff-esque to me you know bischoff i felt like had more fire trying to beat like bischoff had more fire and competency trying to beat mcmahon than cons exhibited at this point oh okay i I, yeah no I, i i i i won't disagree with that necessarily i just don't know (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not because he failed here. spectacularly afterwards and made moves that just proved that he couldn't hang once he started the fight. And that's what I'm afraid is going to happen to Khan here. Okay, he keeps talking. Right. I, I, but like, here's the thing. Khan's never like gotten up and over on Vince. You know what I mean? Like, like yes. to, to analogize, like it's, it, 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 it's all, Oh, look at the demo from this. So, Oh, he right, won. Like, right. pe- no, he no won the, the, all the demo. It, 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 I have not beaten up on the demo talk in about a year or whatever, but there's a reason why I was crapping all over that for months. Um, Cause it was a very stupid way. They beat of, NXT. That's who yes, they beat. It's a very stupid way of looking at how this overall thing is going. It, it's, it's so myopic. Yes. Um, like okay we're doing great in the demo um but like they're missing the bigger picture clearly um no i i mean we've analogized this to like you know like like fights or whatever in both cases like with Khan and bischoff like 
with Khan, I feel like it's like Khan has been swinging at, you know, McMahon, the bigger guy at the bar, and the bigger guy at the bar has been toying with him and just hasn't knocked him out yet. Yeah. Um, with Bischoff, bigger guy at the bar knew that he was ultimately going to prevail, but, like, Bischoff actually landed a lucky shot on this guy's jaw. Oh, Bischoff and- hit him with a chair. Yeah, right. No, right. Yeah, like actually like landed some lucky shots and made the big guy go, oh, okay, I actually have to take this a little more seriously and go nuclear on him. Um, Khan hasn't, I guess what I'm saying is Khan hasn't even agitated the big guy to the point where he's felt the need to go nuclear on him. And I think if that happened, the show would get like nuked from outer space. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like they are, (laughs) yeah, it's like a smaller country picking a fight with a superpower. And they're just going, we haven't, we haven't fired a nuke yet, guys. You're not beating us. <laughs> kind of a thing. And just waiting and waiting and waiting. It's like, it's big brother, little brother stuff. You know, it's like, I'm too, I'm going to get in trouble with mom if I punch my younger brother, because I know better and I'm bigger than him and stronger than him. But damn it, he's annoying me right now. That kind of stuff. Uh, first ROH TV tapings are on February 25th and 26th in Orlando. New shows will be released every Thursday night on Honor Club. They will be taping both ROH and Dark with sessions on February 25th from 6 to 9 p.m., as well as February 26th from 1 to 4 p.m. and 7 to 10 p.m. More product. That's my thought. Yeah, no, I, I think it's it's good. Uh, clearly, the numbers state that the, the demand is very high for more product. And we're getting it. We're, we'll get there. It's like, I got a couple more stories to read. Uh, Fightful uh, reporting our friend Sean Ross Sapp, friend of the Jeff, friend of the show, reporting that he that there was a meeting last week uh, backstage amongst the women to clear the air with Thunder Rosa and the rest of the women. Um, That's interesting to me. I thought for sure Thunder Rosa was done with the company. But she, as we reported last week, was doing um, Spanish commentary uh, for things. So it looks like she's going to look to make a return. She's trying to mend some fences. Also says to me that there might not be much demand outside of AEW. I'm going to say that out loud, much to the chagrin of some. But I will say it anyways. Uh, uh, no, I, I mean, I think... Like, they come it, to Jesus meeting for Thunder Rosa. Yeah, no, I think, I think Thunder Rosa maybe has uh, seen... The act like her market value. Look, uh, the road to Damascus. I have seen Rosa (laughs) is not in the early phase of her career. No, Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I'm not gonna be you know uncouth about it, but like go on Wikipedia, guys. She's uh, she's not in the early phase of her career, so I, I, no, I, I don't see like a huge demand for her in WWE. I, of course, have been following her since uh, she was in Lucha Underground as uh, Cobra Moon. Um, but I always believed in the Thunder Rosa character and thought that, you know, she should have been able to do more business, but then kind of clear that like she, she creates friction. I I mean, I, I'm not sitting in the room. I can't see it all. Uh, but you see enough articles. You got to assume some of them are true. I mean, yeah. And wrestling is a ego driven business. And once you're getting a push, you want to stay on top and you want to be the champion and you want to be the face of the division and you want the marketing and stuff like that. So, you know, I mean, Look, I, I am sympathetic to getting a taste of fame and then it bringing out the worst qualities in some people. It happens. And eventually they go, oh, yeah, well, maybe I should, you know, I got to work with all these people, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe I shouldn't be in this way or that way. And there are probably people in that locker room who also have big heads. 
I can uh, I, pretty much guarantee it. To be honest with you, because I know some of them. Uh, <laughs> I will not say on the air who is who, but yeah, I. Uh, but you know, I, I think you can take this as cynical. Or you can take this as, as, hey, you know what? Maybe you know, maybe somebody really wanted to make amends, or I don't know who. I want to know who called the meeting. Because if it was Tony, it was probably be like, okay, apologize. I'm sorry. You know, that kind of thing. But maybe it was Thunder asking Tony, hey, can I have a meeting and I want to clear some air? So it can go either way with me. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing. Like, this division no. always always needs help. talent. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it always needs help. What, so, are, you, are you saying that spraying an L on your butt and running into somebody isn't the angle that you think? <laughs> oh, it looks so good on television, Jeff. I don't know. I don't know how you could sit here on a microphone <laughs> with me on this Friday afternoon and, oh, and sit here goodness. and tell me that that wasn't World League shit. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and uh, finally, in the news department, before we get to numbers, uh, Oni, the artist formerly known as Oni Lorkin and Biff Music is officially retired from entering competition. And as a trainer at the uh, WWE Performance Center right now. Cool. Yeah, I I think uh, it's interesting to me because 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 when he got signed, I was like, that's a guy that's just going to be used to put over other guys. And I think he outkicked his coverage for the WWE system, which you know he, he has a receding hairline. He's kind of skinny. But that 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 tag team that he had with uh, the former Martin Stone. Yeah, Danny Birch, Danny Birch, Birch and Lorkin. Yeah, one and two. Birch and Lorkin were great. Yeah, they I, were I fun. loved that team. A lot of fun. I, I, yeah, they were a lot of fun. And if you can help the young talent learn how to throw punches and forearms, I'm here for that. Because some of them need some work on that in between flips. Uh, numbers. Here we go. AEW Dynamite, 824,000. One of the lowest numbers in a regular time slot for that show. Rating 0.27. NXT 640,000.15. More or less consistent with what they've been doing. Raw 1.8 million. The 0.47. And SmackDown 2.468 million with a 0.64. Wow. Oh, and, ra- oh, and, and Rampage uh, 375,000. Oof. Oof. Sammy Zayn story no, is yeah. Sammy Zayn story is working and yep. it's good. Am I wrong, Chris? Do you pull the trigger and and belt Sammy then to to see what you can get for a rating? I think it's I think it's certainly an interesting move um, because there are a number of interesting off ramp storylines with Sami Zayn as champion. Um, You could have Kevin Owens steal the belt from him and become the heel champion, and then that sets up Cody Rhodes versus Kevin Owens. You can find a way to split the belts and just give Sami the one belt. Right, right, yeah. He beats beats Roman for the one or something like that, and even that's still good enough. Um, Yeah, I I mean, look, uh, I think it's it's twofold. One, people like this Bloodline storyline. Yes. It it may or may not be Emmy award-winning, uh, but it, it's certainly uh, for wrestling. One wrestling never actually wins Emmys, even though WWE tries to submit themselves for them occasionally. Uh, <laughs> oh, dude! Uh, well, so, they so had they had an upfront at a theater that I I I've done an improv show in once out here in LA, and I just I heard nobody showed up to that damn thing. <laughs> I mean, like like it beggars believe that they'd actually think that, but like this is a fun wrestling storyline 
where every character has clearly defined motives and i mean like even in places where it's a little bit ambiguous like what was sammy's game in the bloodline like you know like what was he actually trying to do there uh it's always felt a little bit like unclear um but like i mean smackdown this week was a great piece of business yeah we record this on fridays and we don't give it enough love as we should because it's one of those things where it's late in the week and the whole week of wrestling has passed by then but, you know, I just loved the little moment of Sammy being back by the trucks and meeting Jay. Yeah. You know, I mean, the Heyman promo was great. And and the Monday uh, Cody, the Cody Sammy promo, I thought was absolutely fantastic. I, I thought did. that was good stuff, too. I, I I enjoyed, although I'm not sure it was the right choice, uh, Sammy's, I don't know if I can beat Roman Reigns. Yeah, thing. that was yeah. a little bit... Uh, well, he, he goes, I'm confident in myself, but I don't know because of, you know, I, I don't know if I liked the weakness in the game. No, I, I felt like, I felt like the, the pivot there obviously is he needs to solicit from Cody. Will you have my back here? And like that, you know, like just keep the rest, like keep this match one-on-one. I kind of would, would rather see a little bit of bravado and say, Hey, will you, uh, not even will you watch my back, but will you keep your word? It'll be us at WrestleMania in the main event type of a thing where it's like almost looking ahead of not really looking ahead of Roman, but also saying, Hey, if I'm the champion, I get all the perks therein type of a thing. And I get to main event with you. I, I want him to keep that kind of confidence that he could win. Cause yeah, I, I get the underdog story and I get the, well, gee, I just don't know or whatever. It's like if you had the confidence to hit him in the back with a chair and to take a while his relatives are in the ring surrounding you, you have a certain amount of confidence in your beliefs and what's right and whatever. And I, yeah, I, it was, it was a note where I was just watching and going, I, I'm liking this and I'm thinking Cody and Sammy are doing a great job here. And I think Cody's job was basically to talk up Sammy a little bit, which I think worked because Sammy is such a great actor with his face. But yeah, no, I agree with you in many ways. But um, I mean, I don't think it's an accident that WWE's SmackDown is pulling in some of the highest ratings. Yeah, we're in Mania season, but they've got a great storyline right now, and it's doing good numbers on TV. And AEW show continues to struggle with with many of the same problems we have talked about. For the better part of a year. Well, uh, here's the thing: is is the narrative coming out of at least Twitter and newsletter hosting podcasters? Is that well, it was a weak card with weak wrestling on it, and I'm just like, that's not the problem. That's not se. the only problem. That's, that's not, not the I'm, only yeah, problem. No, it, the, I mean the biggest problem to me continues to be that storylines do not effing progress. That Wardlow and Samoa Joe are actually on the cusp of having a six-month feud that has been absolutely cold. Yes. Um, that the Ass Boys and the Acclaimed are doing yet another match. And in this case, just to like advance the plot, the Acclaimed are agreeing to do something incredibly stupid, which is We're like... We're going to add give- two more teams to this stupid match. Are you kidding me? Like, I mean, the, <laughs> the writing on this show is not very good. Sometimes there are well-acted scenes, but they are sometimes next non-sequitur or or 
in, in this case, the most common thing with the AEW is just, man, it's the same thing over and over again. I can't wait for the next chapter of Ricky Starks and Action Andretti. <laughs> I don't even know if Action Andretti is ever going to show up again. Is, is he gone? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do, uh, do, uh, 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 like... We're gonna uh, we'll get to we'll get to some of that. I gotta go over this Wardlow promo. I do with you. I I do. But uh, before we get to the rest of the Lazy River, we have a show preview because the Elimination Chamber is tomorrow, Chris. Okay, Montreal is a buzz. So let us talk. Let me speak on this, Odalay. Right now, five match card, starting with. Big meaty men slapping meat, Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. And I just want to let you know about a brand new sponsor we have for the network. It's Eufy. And let me tell you a little bit about their newest product, the Eufy Video Smart E330. This isn't your everyday smart lock. This is a smart lock, a 2K camera and a doorbell offering triple the security and triple the convenience. Instead of loading up your door with a bunch of different devices, you install one, and it takes care of everything in a complete package. It's not just about the home security, though. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is also for convenience. No more worrying about losing keys. You can let each member of your family get a password. You can monitor their movement in and out of the house. You can keep an eye on your packages. You can check in on your house while you're away. There is so much you can do with this product. Best of all, it is easy to install and set up. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver. Leave that drill in the toolbox. The Eufy has keyless entry, a 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, a rechargeable battery with a four month lifespan, two way audio from the lock, enhanced night vision, 24 seven customer support. And you'll love this. None of those pesky monthly fees. Eufy sent me a smart lock 330 and I've loved it so far. It allows me peace of mind when I'm at work or when I'm away on one of my patented vacations. Plus it helps me keep track of deliveries to the house, saves me a trip back to the car. If I just need to run in for something and I forgot my keys and the two way audio system works well for those unwanted guests at my front door. No, I do not need new siding or windows or a roof. Thank you, though. You can simply tell them you aren't interested from the comfort of your couch. Now, are you ready to ditch the others and join the Eufy revolution? Of course you are. Get started today by searching Eufy Video Lock on your search engine of choice. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can finally, once and for all, gain complete control of your door. Once again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock ufiofficial.com slash video lock and we thank them for sponsoring the voice wrestling podcast network what's so special about hero bread's soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas hero bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs five to eleven grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving made with natural ingredients hero bread supports gut health promotes weight management and helps maintain blood sugar Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. And what seems to be the 800th time they faced each other, but uh, yeah, I, I, my problem with the Bobby Lashley-Brock Lesnar feud is that Bobby Lashley can't decide if he's a babyface or a heel. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. It's one of those weird things where it's like, if he had just been Bobby Lashley, 
the whole time. It'd be great. But now he's hurt business, Bobby Lashley. And it's like, okay, so we're kind of teasing that again. Yeah. Why couldn't they both just be like baby face monster guys who don't like each other? Well, then the audience won't understand who they need to root for, Chris. I mean, yeah, I know. But, like, <laughs> this one, on, like, honestly, I just want to see two guys beat the crap. Two, yeah, I just want to see ass kickers yeah, kicking yeah. ass. That's yeah. really what we want in this they, 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 they went with, they, I mean, cause especially because we've seen, we've seen this. And, oh, by the way, Lesnar and Lashley are not fantastic storytellers. No. So, like, the less complicated <laughs> you make the story, the better. Uh, I have Brock Lesnar winning this yeah. and going on. No, Mania. I don't. I have I have Lashley shenaniganing this. Oh, you have hurt business uh, stuff. Yeah, I, I yeah, it, it's not like a dominant win, obviously, but I I got Lashley shenaniganing this. Is there a possible? Because there's been a rumor of a possible call up and adding Carmelo Hayes to the hurt business. Does that intrigue you at all? Doesn't no. me. Doesn't no, mean because the hurt no. business is a, is a dead brand for the most part. Yeah, no, no, it's 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 unfortunate that they didn't do more with this concept when they could have. And because they'll no. ki- they'll kill Carmelo. In Carmelo that, Hayes, in all, this. he also already has a complete gimmick. Yes, but I he, agree. he doesn't. He doesn't need to be in a faction. I agree. I agree. Um, mixed tag match: Edge and Beth Phoenix versus the Judgment Day of Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley with Damian Priest. And and my current favorite wrestler, Dominic Mysterio. My God, he he dined. I sent you this. I don't. Did they show this on Raw? I don't think they did. Did they show this? Uh, the 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 Valentine's Day date on oh, Raw? Oh no no remember. no! They didn't show the Valentine's Day on Raw. No. Dominic Mysterio shows up at the same restaurant where his mother and father are having dinner, runs him off, and then dines and dashes on Rhea Ripley. He is fantastic. I love him. <laughs> I he, I love this character so much. I he's, do. He's, you know what? You know what it's doing? It's teasing that he's actually Eddie's kid. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> I, 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 like the more he embraces Eddieisms. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, he needs it's to go, funny. Yes. <laughs> he needs roses and the and the hoopty. That's what he needs. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I'm totally here for a scene where he reveals to his dad that his dad is not actually his dad. Oh yeah, I got That'd this be... 23 and me. Yeah, yeah. Hey, sit down, sit down, pops. I got something to tell you. It You're not I'm... my dad. It says I'm 75% Latino heat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but really, let's let's also give a shout out to the uh, WWE uh, social media crew. Because again, we're having this problem though that some of the best stuff they're doing is only for the internet. Because I also really liked—I don't know if you saw this—the Santos Escobar Rey Mysterio interaction after the four-way, where uh, Santos Escobar says, "I mean, it's almost—it's basically a face turn for him, where he gives him his mask because we know how important this is, and he has such respect for him after that match and for Lucha." And then Rey gives him one of his masks type of a thing. I thought that was really well done by them. And damn, if Santos Escobar isn't a damn rock star and they need to push that guy to the I, effing moon. That for 10 years, I have been saying this. Yes. He's, he's got you, the, you are the man driving that bus. So I, I give to you. Yeah. 10 years, man. I, I, I believe in this. I've always believed in this dude. He just, he, he's got it. He just does. He's interesting. 
the other matches other than the main event, the two Elimination Chamber matches, the least of which for the WWE United States Championship, Austin Theory versus Johnny Gargano versus Bronson Reed versus Damian Priest versus Montez Ford versus Seth freaking Rollins, who once again is doing a terrible story that he can't find his way to WrestleMania. Chris, who you got? <laughs> I feel like Theory retains here. I do too. I yeah. think that's I think that's the easiest call here is that Theory withstands all this and then does a U.S. Open challenge and John Cena answers for Mania. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm gonna be very interested. Look, Damian Priest is awesome in these types of matches. Uh, Bronson Reed's probably gonna do something amazing in terms of. In terms of at least uh, putting his body at risk, because they'll ask uh, him to do he, that. He looks great right now. Uh, yeah, he, he, you know, like a jump from really the top of one of the pods yeah. or running through one of the pods. He'll he'll be established as a power guy. Gargano, I don't know what they're going to do with him. That's going to be very interesting to me, because it feels like he is ice cold right now, and I don't see him getting pins over any of these guys. And I'm very fascinated to see what they decide to do with Montez Ford. Now, I'll take it back. Bronson Reed's not going to be the guy to come off the top of a pot. It's going to be Montez Ford. But do they decide to book Montez in a way where they tease that they might break up the Street Profits again? I know we've been talking about this for three years, Chris, and it feels like they just stop, start, stop, start with him. But is he going to get a pin over a guy in here? Not not Bronson Reed, not Damian Priest. Can he get a pin over Rollins or Gargano? I mean, yeah, I, I could definitely see him pinning Gargano for yeah, sure. That's, yeah, that's actually true. We'll see if he does the star build or not. But I, I yeah, I still have Austin Theory coming out of this uh, as the guy, even though I don't care about the U.S. title right now. Yeah, I, I think he pins Rollins too for it, like the, just to really put a nail in the coffin in that storyline. In the women's. Uh, Elimination Chamber for a match for the WWE Raw Women's title, which, boy, that story with Becky and Bailey. And again, Becky, I'm looking for a way to get to WrestleMania. God, do we? I want to be in the school play this year. I'm just like, what, what are we doing here with these two? Because, look, I, I liked the triple threat match with Bailey and Becky, and they did, they did some, uh, I mean, they have such great chemistry against each other because they're so good and they helped. I mean, they helped Bianca here. Don't get me wrong. But I was half expecting Becky to get into this or Bailey and for this to be a nine-woman type thing for the thing. So I have no idea what they're going to do with them for Mania other than the Legends, Lita, and Trish versus Damage Control, et cetera. But whatever. I, I, I did not like that angle at all. But, and you can talk about it since I read this match, which I've been uh, filibustering on. Asuka, psycho clown PTA mom. Versus Liv Morgan versus Nikki Cross versus Raquel Rodriguez versus Natalia versus Carmella. There's some interesting possibilities in here, but I mean, look, I'm going to go chalk and say Asuka, but I could make a case where Liv Morgan figures out a way. I can make a case for Raquel, but I am under the impression that Raquel and Liv are going to be in whatever match is for the women's tag titles. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think they got Asuka, you know, on the path to WrestleMania right now. So I'm going to go Oscar. She can't promo, but it doesn't matter. 
because she has that psycho credibility and whatever she does looks there, there's like, a lot yeah there's a lot of different ways to get her over without her using her words i mean um, yeah, yeah and the thing is she i mean no matter how many times they beat oscar everybody just thinks doom whenever her music hits so i mean that's that's just a tribute to her she's just awesome that's my brother. My brother's coming to Oscar. So she wears a thong outside of her gear. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Chris, that's sometimes how they dress the women. I don't know. Uh, and then the main event, Roman Reigns versus or Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman versus Sami Zayn for the undisputed universal championship. Chris, I'm going to let you talk about this before I go into the prop bets that I think are going to happen here. I know there is chatter this week about belting Sami Zayn, but we need to remember that we're thinking about WWE here. Mm -hmm. They're going to keep this belt on Roman Reigns. Correct. It's going to be a Montreal screwjob angle. That is going to be the story here. Sami is going to get screwed. I think he's going to get screwed. Like, in, If they do this right, they screw him in a massive way so that that crowd is just booing the shit out of Roman Reigns at the end of it. Does it really set the table for, for WrestleMania? Maybe Cody even comes down and makes the save. But uh, I, I think Sammy needs to get screwed, and he, he needs to get like screwed really bad in front of the Montreal fans. I think that it's going to happen. I mean, look, they love screwing with Montreal too. But it's not going to be the ringing the bell type of screw job, in my opinion. It's going to be... Sammy's going to have Roman in the sharpshooter. Bret Hart call. Solo's going to come down and try and save him and be stopped by somebody. Or, you know, Jimmy's going to try, Jimmy's going to try and save him. And then Jay's going to come out supposedly to help Sammy ward off Solo and Jimmy. And he's going to super kick Sammy. Yep. yep. Spear one, two, three. That, that's yeah. what I think is happening. Yeah. No, J Jay ultimately goes home. Jay then, ultimately goes home. And Kevin Owens eventually comes out to help in some ways they reunite big hug big pop sammy loses but the crowd goes home happy i think i think you know and that's people are saying well that's the most obvious way yeah well sometimes the most obvious way works so i think that's what's going to happen yeah i mean it's it's obvious but like do we really think like the montreal fans are going to boo getting an obvious story <laughs> Nah, boo! Just... You're insulting our intelligence. Boo! Hell, they may have Bret Hart try and come down and make the save and get stopped at some point. I mean, you know, lots of things could happen here. Yeah, but you know, I I think ultimately that's what happens is that Sammy gets screwed. Uh, and, and yeah, Jay Jay Uso. I mean, it. I think the interesting move is to not have Uso, not have Jay lift a finger here. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I'd like that that his loyalty remains still in question leaving this but he doesn't help sammy right right yeah right that to me is the more interesting move okay. i i, it's, I can I, take it's, that too yeah yeah I, it's the only thing like if i was gonna do it idea the only thing i'd do differently is not have jay intercede i'd have his status remaining question going into wrestlemania and now into the rest of the lazy river we go I have I have been dipping in it all show because I'm talking old Freebird stuff. I'm talking old Memphis stuff. I've talked about things I've watched, but uh, Chris, what's on your mind? All right, uh, let's start in the land of NXT, the land of milk and honey. <laughs> Why? Uh, 
<laughs> Why not? How about something you like first? <laughs> okay, I enjoyed, no, no, the, no. I enjoyed the Bloodline segments. We okay, there talking we go. About those. Yeah, no, I, I mean, like, top line of Raw. I still find myself mostly fast-forwarding through Raw. Like, we're back into the fast-forward Yes, yeah, I am, yeah, I'm yeah. with you there. Yeah, I, I, there's nothing. I mean, why don't we talk more about Raw? Because, like, I'm only I'm, – I'm powering through that show now. Um, watching NXT this week, which I did watch most of, um, Chance and Carter, I thought we were on the verge of turning them, and they came in and gave one of the most, like, heat-sinking promos I've ever, like, heard, where they're like, hey, we just wanted to say before our match last week, or this week, that we got a little bit heated, and we're really sorry about that. I, I was hoping that this was going to be a bait play for them to, like, go nuclear on Mako Satamora. That's that what I was thinking too. Okay, good. I'm not the only one who thought that it was disingenuous. I'm, it was disingenuous heels who were a little bit afraid of the partner that right. she called. Right. No. No. I I actually really liked that. Like like that. That basically, they they didn't think Roxanne had a friend. Then their bluff got called, and now they're getting cold feet because they're kind of turning heel. Yeah, because Mako's a killer. Right. And they know that. Ah, um, she's awesome. By the way, I love Mako Satamara. She's righteous, dude. Yeah, she's great. Um, and then I guess the other thing I want to talk about is the, the GG and JC thing, which okay. like JC Jane will be a fine heel, I guess. She um, had a terrible promo though. We gotta, we gotta call him as we see him. I know we yeah, praise yeah. JC for her work in this team. She's always been given crap material though, but this time that she is, couldn't rise that above was it. some crap material that they yeah. gave her for this. This is, no. this is generic heel promo number 25 in the file or whatever. How do you not have a personality carved out for this human? Like, yes. like she, I mean, yeah, it's just, you know, she's just, uh, she's just witchy is basically the only thing they've got in terms of like a character for her. And, uh, and shout out to Lance Storm for calling this out and being the first person I heard to call this out is who could care, care about JC turning on Gigi when both are heels. It doesn't make you a baby face just because a heel turns on you. In fact, it's it's karma. <laughs> you should be cheering that kind of stuff. I mean, there. I mean, the times I've seen it work, like again, bringing up Buddy Landell, but Buddy Landell turning on Butch Reed by selling him for a watch to Skandar Akbar, that worked for for heel for heel babyface sympathy because of the racial angle. And I don't think you will necessarily want to go there in that day and age. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that that's the right move here. And I mean, this, the rest of this NXT show to me remained, this is not a good episode of NXT. Uh, they like, might sell the bar. <laughs> Grayson Waller, um, ice cold now just being, I mean, after that, that heck of a title chase where he lost every match going into the title match and then lost the title match. Now he loses to Tyler Bate this week. I'm like, Dude, what are we doing? Why aren't we, why aren't we the, pushing Grayson? I, I find the angle a cynical ratings ploy because they think putting HBK will help the numbers out here. And really what it's just going to do is make people want to see him wrestle. And I don't think he's wrestling. I think they may tease it. Uh, I think he may bring in a proxy. Yeah, I don't see HBK versus Grayson Waller. Do you? I I don't either. Yeah, I, I that's so. I mean, and I think that's actually kind of an important part of one of these angles actually being credible, is that you think that like you're gonna get the veteran, 
even if yeah. that ends up being like a bit of a bait and switch. And even if they did, I don't know, you know, I, boy. Okay, WrestleMania weekend, NXT to sell tickets because they are in, I believe they're in Staples for it. HBK versus Grayson Waller. Um, I mean, that might be the way to move tickets. I don't know, although I don't know if there is a takeover on, on Mania weekend. I think there might that, be a That'd be a great, I mean, that'd be a nice way to move tickets. I was going to say that'd be a great match. I don't know that, about that. Yeah. yeah. yeah okay. Nice I had to rethink that because I don't even know. And it's a couple months away. I don't even know if there's a takeover for, for Mania or not. Um, And I mean, and then the rest of the show kind of, you know, it's like, do I give a crap about the retcon of Apollo Crews and Dabakato? Oh I was, God. I was chuckling watching the, you know, uh, the, his previous gimmick, uh, the one with commander as is yes. being retconned to be this warm, familial loving thing. Yes. The, the general by junta. Yes. <laughs> when I was briefly that African dictator, we were tight, buddy. <laughs> Didn't you know the amount it? of death we did when we were in Africa? Running a country. Uh, all those times in the death squads really meant nothing to you? The people we had starving. Wasn't that fun? We had all <laughs> the resources, and you just gave it away. <laughs> um, Yeah, no. I, just, I want one of those. Hey, you remember when you were an African prince? <laughs> God. Um, and then, and then like, you know, just so I finish, I'll finish out the show here. Uh, Axiom and Damon Kemp love Damon Kemp, continue to really yes. enjoy him. Um, I just, he's a great character. Uh, the problem with this show is not talent. They actually have a sneaky amount of talent. Love the yes. creeds, love Damon Kemp. Axiom is a great talent and is actually a good promo. Terrible gimmick. This is like, like just an absolute garbage gimmick. Um, I love Thea Hale. I do. I mean, she. I mean, look, she can be annoying. I get, but that's the camp that they're having her play. But she's playing it to a T. I like Tiffany Stratton. I think her character is needed in wrestling, kind of a thing. Um, and I actually kind of like the Von Wagner Rob Stone dynamic. It's uh, it's growing on me, Chris. It, it, it's jumping the like something about the Stone performances are really like crossing the line thirty seven times for me. Like, like the, the help me help you was so stupid the first time. And then yeah. he said it like nine more times. And by the end of it, like he's saying it in like increasingly incoherent ways. It, it's help the... me <laughs> help you. Like, like, I think he, the... get, he gets the script. And he goes, how can I put emphasis on a different word? Yeah, <laughs> no, time? I, I, it's it. It's funny. I, think, uh, I don't I think know if it's good, but I it's funny. I think he's a decent performer, but it's like, I am so tired of the, whoever he manages ends up just effing him over all the time and just like, throw, you know, him being like dime store, thrift store, uh, Seth Rollins with the women's clothing and stuff too. I'm just like, okay, I get it. But I think for me, what's making it is Von Wagner. And his, I, no. ex, and his existential crisis. <laughs> there's there's a lot of good stuff. I mean, I the hyper meta commentary of Robert Stobie, like, I've known you for three years and I don't know you at all, like, yes. still continues to be really funny to me. Like, yeah. like the, the, what we see on TV is literally the depth of their interactions. That said, I, I watch whatever I watch now on mute, so I don't know what a lot of people say because I just can't stand Booker T. I just cannot. 
they told him to have energy, and now he's just out of control. And oh, and, and Vic even brought attention to it this week on commentary, where he was like, "Sometimes you're a bit of a wild card, Booker T." Something, something like that. Just, Vic has a sneaky, sarcastic sense of humor. Yes, <laughs> he, he, and I like he, that. He's cutting with a smile. Like he, 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 like there's a smile in his voice as he says something very cutting. It's funny. Speaking of uh, bad promos. Wardlow. Now, let me get the good out of the way. I saw what they were doing. It felt like Jim Ross was going, well, we need some sort of personal connection here in a feud. Maybe it's because of the death of Jerry Jarrett. I don't know. But there's a certain acting note I give about promos all the time, especially on the Dynamite show. Less so here because I don't think we talk as much about promos because uh, promos don't really exist for the most part, at least the type I want. But I, I believe I've said this on this show before, Chris. I go, the half the problem with the promos of today is everybody thinks they can start neutral or in one emotion and then pivot to a second emotion without ever earning that second emotion. And that's what happened here. <laughs> we are talking about the story of Wardlow's father. And... Wardlow's father had cancer and the day after he saw Wardlow wrestle, he died. If that's true, I'm very, very sorry for that. If that was for effect, it's a little much to say right after the, the day after he watched his son wrestle for the first time he died. But it, it's got the, that's uh, not the most I, egregious I, crime to nature. in this. It problem. has the Hulk Hogan saying that he body slammed Andre the Giant in the very next week yes. he died sort of energy to it. Yes. So Wardlow says he grew out his hair in this terrible man bun. <laughs> as honor, a tribute to his father. He as a tribute look, to his father. He, he wanted and, to have the most Gen Z haircut possible for the last few years. And that in the course of this three-week team between Joe and Wardlow, when they were supposedly riding the roads together and having strategy meetings... That Wardlow is an oversharer of sorts and says that the reason he has this man bun is because of his father and that when Joe cut it off, <laughs> it was disrespectful because I guess Wardlow is Samson and Joe is his Delilah. And this is actually a love story <laughs> of some sort. But I'm like, okay, you guys were, you guys were a team or at most two and a half, three weeks, I think. Maybe my math is wrong on that somewhat. And you're just deciding to give your deepest, darkest secrets as a trust bond to Samoa Joe? I just kind of went, this is your fault, you dope. But the fact that he's he's happy, talking about his father, kind of smiling, and then all of a sudden gets the grr face. <laughs> I give points for effort. But it just made this entire thing ridiculous in some ways, especially I mean, with, with especially with Jim Ross just staring into the camera blankly. Yeah, there's that, and there's the fact that we are now doing this Samoa Joe Wardlow thing again, again, again. But this time, it's personal, <laughs> right? Uh, I. <laughs> Joe, Joe Wardlow five. This time it's personal. I, I am reminded. Uh, this is an ex, this is a very esoteric reference that probably only you'll get. But at the beginning of uh, one of the episodes of Aqua Teen Hunger Force, the Doctor Weird segments. Yes, Doctor Weird proclaims 
in one of them right before yes. he gets killed. This time will be different. And then he gets <laughs> killed. And that's like what I hear every time <laughs> I, we're doing, you know, the ass boys versus the acclaimed three or uh, Wardlow and Samoa Joe three or Darby yes. Allen and Samoa Joe. Oh, by three. the way, there's no better way to build this personal feud between the ass boys and the acclaimed than by adding two more teams into it. I feel like it's really narratively going to satisfy everything that's been going on between <laughs> them and their father. Yeah. Just for the daddy issues of when Billy yeah, finally sides with them. I, I, I guess. I mean, like, I, I, I don't know what the hell they're doing. It, it's all like this is this is a baffling. I mean, baffling. There, there were baffling things on this AEW show, too. I mean, from <sighs> people we expect better from now. L- let me before I go into more criticism, let me praise the good. I love MJF when MJF isn't trying to be funny. He's great. I loved this promo by him. What I didn't love was the uh, interaction of Moxley and Hangman and the Dark Order. Oh my god! <laughs> but even even the way that the Blackpool Combat Club handled these the Los Ingobernables Stooges in the ta- like, I'm sorry, but Blackpool should have been out there to just annihilate MJF's henchmen. Like. Yeah. Ru- I mean, Rush, no, Roosh and Preston Vance, I know they're supposed to be protected, whatever. No, they needed to pay a price for what they did last week. And, and Moxley, a former world champion, and Cassignoli. I forgot about that. I forgot about the story about them locking Dan- Brian Danielson in the in the trainer's room. In that, in boy, that's a damn shame, Jeff. They uh, should have recapped that, possibly. Yup, <laughs> yup. No, and so like when I talk about like they do a crappy job telling stories, it's stuff like this. Uh, like the entire intensity of this match should have been level up. I'm sitting here and like you guys are having a cromulent match, but like you two should hate Roosh. You guys should absolutely be out here trying to make a statement Chris, that if you send a henchman at us, we're killing you. Chris, I do a show deconstructing dynamite segment by segment, and I had forgotten about that entire thing. And you are once again. Coming out here, hitting dingers about how people should be reacting in storyline. Yes, you, you're. Why aren't they coming out here mad as hell about this whole thing? And, and you want know, to the, the the term for the big problem on AEW is like the the fancy college term. It's character verisimilitude. These Ooh. characters do not act consistent with the way we understand them. John Moxley. You think John Moxley's not going to ratchet it up? You mess with one of his boys? Come on, he's John Moxley. Like, I think it, they were trying. See, the thing is, I think they were trying to tell the story that the blood was ratcheting it up, especially given the two past Moxley Preston Vance matches. But two things: number one, this didn't this 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 wasn't a blood feud because they didn't build it up that way in some ways, in terms of the match, in terms of the actual match. I mean, no, like, I want Blackpool out there trying to hurt these guys. Not, like, but I want to hear it, that they're going to hurt them before they yep, come out there and yep. do it too. Yeah. Like, I like, see no, the... like we're, we're sending, we're sending Preston Vance to the hospital tonight yes. and then you stretch them out. Yeah. But also tell me the stories last week, these two did this in this thing. Give me the recap. And then it's like, then, okay, Blackpool combat club. Look, this ain't going to be a wrestling match. We're going out to hurt these two. And then they go out there and do that. That's what yeah. I want. Be a little bit more obvious about it, as opposed to they're, they're, 
what I'm going to get is I'm going to get people who are saying, no, they're telling that story by showing you. It's like, they're not really showing me that they're showing me a match right now where Moxley just decided to blade for no God, no good reason. Hey, hey, do you remember? No, but, but wait, hold on. Do you remember that really great interaction between Danielson and the Blackpool combat club last week backstage? No. Yeah, because it didn't happen because they don't do that because yes. Danielson has no friends. He's being booked the way that people have always criticized WWE, where the baby faces have no friends. And his buddies in the Blackpool Combat Club are on like some weird B plot right now, whereas they should be backstage closing in the ranks and saying, we are all going to put our bodies on the line to get Danielson to his title. Or match. Danielson should be firing them up to go out to this match. And say, these guys hurt me. We are a combat club. We are a club. We are a faction. That those guys need to get got. You know, you know, that kind of thing. I just and and Preston Vance, God bless him. He tries, but he was outclassed by the other three guys in this match. And I think Jose Jose gigged him a little too deep and he got scared by the amount of blood he was bleeding at that time. Yeah, I, I just um I get frustrated with the with the story here because it could be a really compelling story of Blackpool becoming a really ascendant babyface faction, even in the Danielson loss, where like you just they become like the four horsemen, where you got you got Moxley, you've yeah. got Castagnoli, you've got Yuta as the young one, and you got Danielson, and they're like a babyface version of the horsemen, where you just don't step to Blackpool business, otherwise you get the treatment. Yeah, uh, I, I, no, I should, agree with that. But could have been a great vehicle for that. Yeah, and then you know, trying to re, trying to make black the the dark order a little serious here too, where it's like I, God, I wish I wish Adam Page would show me something in promos. I also don't need Page in this storyline right now because I need the Blackpool guys closing ranks around their dude who's going for the title rather yeah. than being worried about feuding with Adam Page for the third time. For the third time, no. For the I, third, I no, yeah, 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 no. Yeah. Third time is not the charm, Tony. Why it's is not? And that's the other question, Aaron. Is why is Danielson the wild card and not Moxley? Why is Mox not just coming out on his own to face face Page as opposed to with Claudio and Yuta, and then Claudio and Yuta be with? Danielson trying to close. Yeah, nothing about this makes sense in no, the story, linear no, there's storytelling. No, way. There's no character verisimil like like the way the Blackpool guys are acting right now is not consistent. Uh, and I would say that Blackpool could have definitely been more thoroughly fleshed out before the loss of Regal, but like it, they're just not acting in consistent ways, and it, it it's a big turnoff. Yeah, your it's your go. Even though we've all both been talking. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I know. Um. Look, I will say, even though it like had no real stakes, uh, Mark Briscoe and Josh Woods was a fine thing. And I mean, look, um, I think oh, I forgot to mention in the news, Mark Briscoe is now all elite. Nice, nice. I, 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 good for him. And I think he's a really interesting feud for MJF after uh, after the Danielson feud completes. Um, I also don't think he should ever lose. Like, he should f- always be one half of the tag team champions forever. Like, that actually should be part of his gimmick. Okay, somebody brought this up on, on the Dynamite show, and I, I want your opinion of it. Should they retire the ROH tag team titles? Yes. Okay. Wow. Yes. You yes. you were quick on that. I didn't even finish yes. the question, but okay. And yes. just maybe no. have, like, a tournament once a year for tag team supremacy, and they're called the Jay Briscoe tournament or whatever. Yep. You have a, you have an annual trophy or whatever, but, like, they, they are the they – 
champions forever. Yep. Okay. Uh, wow. And, and, yeah. No, this this is a company. I mean, like the Briscoes gave so much to this company, and they're so synonymous to this company that I, I actually think it would be. And also, let's keep it real. Let's see outlook for this company too. I think at this point, it's time to go. Like, okay, as we are finishing up the story of ROH, what do we want this? What do we want this story to say? And I think the Briscoes are a really great vehicle to move that story through. So I, I, I would let, I would make, I would make Mark for, I mean, like one, I would never turn him heel ever again. Um, like he's baby face forever. Um, and the other, I would make him, make his gimmick would essentially be one half of the tag team champions. Yeah. It was weird. Even when he was a heel, he wasn't really a heel. Cause he was kind of the goofy one where yeah. it was Jay, <laughs> you know, even in the Briscoe versus Briscoe feud, he wasn't the, the heel in it. That was Jay. So cause yeah. Jay gives off more, gave off more menace back in the day, but yeah. Um, I, I do want to give just because we already praised SmackDown earlier, but I, I had this written down too. I I loved that Braun Strowman and Ricochet versus the Usos match. I that was Braun, fun. Braun Strowman and Ricochet are a fun team. I know Braun has his issues on social media and stuff like that. But uh, I, I like to call them the control your narrative boys. <laughs> Ricochet and Braun. Why is Ricochet a controller? Ricochet was a a pretty bad COVID offender, if you recall, Uh throwing like COVID parties during. Remember, like in the prior to the pan, prior to the vaccine even being out, throwing COVID parties and getting people COVID. Like there were definitely, yeah. I mean, there were incidences because of Ricochet. Uh, I know we bypassed Raw a little bit, but uh, this is just another quick hit. How ridiculous is Rick Boogs? Both looking and acting right now. I, I, dude, it's like, what the hell is this iteration of him? Everything I, I, charming I about it. him is gone. I, hate, I know. God, it, it, it's his makeover is as bad as Kip Sabian's makeover has been. He looks like he's ate the other Rick Boogs too. <laughs> he should add a third O to his name. He's gotten so much bigger, and I don't know if he naturally got that much bigger. Let me be a jerk and throw that out there yeah and i don't think it adds anything to the act is the worst part it's it's like he just looks older yeah um he was much more interesting as the guitar guy for nakamura yeah yeah right uh no that was clearly the right answer um and i mean he it's you know if riddle was around he seems like a tailor-made friend for riddle too uh so i i just i don't know i don't know who thought that this repackaging of boogs was going to be good I don't really care so much that he's beating the Miz, but I'm kind of like, no. why? Yeah, yeah. It's not like you need to protect the Miz, but I'm like, why is he beating the Miz? Yeah, what, what is the upside? What is the feud we're building him for if if Miz is the if Miz is the stepping stone? Because we've taken away his guitar, so it's not Elias again. Right, but he still does air guitar. Oh, okay, maybe. Maybe yeah. maybe it's another Elias feud. Yeah, no, it, right. Like, there's still this implication of, like, this Rick Boog still likes rock. He still likes to rock. He's just, like, not a guitar player. It's it's like somebody watched an episode of SmackDown and decided to take the, the bad parts of the Boog's act and amplify them on Raw. That's what it is to me. I don't know. Uh, you got anything else on your on your list? Um, I uh, do not... I, I, you know, uh, uh, the main event here, um, I just like this, this, this WWE versus AEW women's division angle is not good. Oh, it stinks. It's I'm the, the, the part at the end Ruby's choice 
Ruby's Ruby's choice is so it's so bad. Uh, But like when you have Soraya, it was it Soraya and then uh, Jamie Hayter and like Hayter's like holding up the belt. And me as the viewer can't even infer what either one of them would be saying to to Ruby Soho at this point to even compel her. She had WWE script notes. I guarantee her style because it's like, okay, so Tony Storm and Soraya come down. And they pull out a local indie worker to uh, basically do do the whole, they're beating up a fan. Look at that. Look how terrible that is. And then Ruby comes out walking, looking worried, just kind of, just kind of looks at them beating up a fan. <laughs> and it's like, oh, maybe I should go stop that. <laughs> just like this whole conflicted morality thing, especially for Ruby is terrible. No, and especially because they sort of like tip the hand when she does the "I want the belt" thing at the end of the match. She's just yeah, she was gesturing that she wanted a shot at Hater's title, so this all feels pretty academic. I boy, does this feel like they're gonna do a three a a third faction of some sort with her and and her and Sheeta? Oh God, that's what it feels like. It feels like no, it's gonna I be know. Like a six woman three-way and i'm just like oh god that it's not gonna be blood and guts anymore it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be tony and soraya versus sheeta and and ruby versus versus jamie and and brit and that just sounds dreadful to me i i don't know i i am i am not loving this story i'm not liking the cutesy parts again i'll bring it up spray painting tony's butt to then imprint it on brit I'm just like that was horrible. That that <laughs> went so badly. It was embarrassing how bad that execution on that spot was, and even commentary couldn't sit there and like kayfabe it into reality. They had to go like, "Well, you know, she probably got a lot of that." Can can we just say that the big loser here is Britt Baker, who is their one real star, other than maybe Jade, who was on one of the dark shows this I week feel like the things. big loser here is Tony Storm like Tony Storm has been criminally misused since she's came to this company she's been misused in every company but I don't look is it because she can't promo or is it just because I think it's politics dude do you uh, is, yeah like because I think that this women's division see this Thunder Rosa story earlier today is just really political Okay, no, I can buy that. I can buy that, too. We've, just... uh, yeah, I, I'm just, like, thinking about all the various stories. Like, I can't recall them all right now. Cause... Like, maybe if you book Tony Storm as an ass-kicker that she is, then maybe she gets over <coughs> someone. But they're just doing these Maybe if you didn't make angles. her the, the interim champion and then retroactively make her a real champion after she lost the title. Yeah, I just, yeah. No, I, I get it. I think everybody's being criminally misused. But again, I have a theory, and that is that Tony, or not, yeah, Tony Khan can buy ingredients. He's just not really good at cooking, and I think he needs some help. And I don't think he has the guys around him to help him. He has people from the other company who needed jobs, for the most part. And I think, and none of them want to write a TV show. Like Tony wants to own a wrestling company, right? The, the, some of these other VPs and stuff like want to have five star matches. Like they want to do well on the Meltzer ratings. Yeah. Um, oh God, that 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 NBA tie in with the with the elite oh. and and the Hardy fam or whatever the hell this this Stokely Ethan Matt Hardy private party crap is. 
it, it makes the elite look dumb too. I mean, they're, I mean, Kenny obviously doesn't watch the association. So it's, it's one of those, I mean, and, and the, the, the ego Matt Hardy comedy bickering thing, which has been done 80 million times now. I'm just, yeah, nobody came out good in that segment either, but please continue with your five-star match thing. I'm sorry. No one wants to write a good television show. Or that a tight it, television it, show, yeah. A tight tele- no, or, or, or no one wants to be, like none of the people that Tony Khan has his employ want to be like the next Jado or Ghetto like in their peak eras telling like these like complicated stories through the G one through matches and mostly through matches with a little bit of promos. No one's trying to write like that. And this is a TV show without writers. You got actors, you got a director and like no one's writing the thing. Um, We'll just roll tape and see what happens. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's kind of it's the monkeys locked in a room with the typewriter sort of approach of well if we just do enough of it something will be good, or or even better the jam band theory we'll eventually yeah. find a solo in here we keep playing long enough right right if only television shows could be edited live television shows could be edited the way they used to edit 70s studio rock where you know they'd go in and jam a track for ten minutes and then edit down to three and put some vocals over it and that's your track yeah. No, yeah. I agree. I, I don't have anything else to, to talk about. You good? Yeah, I'm good. This has been Shake Them Ropes. You can follow me at CrapGame13 on the Twitterverse. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes, all one word. I do a show on another Patreon, patreon.com slash fightgamemedia for five bucks a week. Wednesdays, I do the Dynamite show with Paul Fontaine. We we thoroughly deconstruct every single segment of Dynamite in addition to talking the news and events of Dynamite. That's patreon.com slash fight game media. Lots of shows there. We are a proud member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Shows for every type of fandom here as well. Open the voice gate, five-star match game, music of the mat, and of course the flagship with Rich and Joe. Chris is a guitar teacher and is becoming a instagram celebrity of sorts i would guess in the albuquerque area and also engaging in the are you in the chinese spyware tiktok yet uh not yet but (laughs) it's unfortunately coming because every well no every time i try to bring up my concerns about safety and privacy everyone acts like i'm crazy jeff all the kids are on it chris you gotta go on it but you can follow him on instagram at dr nov d-o-c-t-o-r underscore n-o-v I'll let Chris plug his lessons in any other money-making ventures he has right now. Yeah, you want guitar lessons, people? How about bass lessons? How about drum lessons? Okay, how about vocal lessons? Okay, how about piano lessons? Come on, how about just like songwriting lessons? Something, anything, please. Uh, go to my Instagram account and uh, message me, Dr. D-O-C-T-O-R underscore Nov. Uh, you can get the Shake Them Ropes discount if you message me for guitar lessons. Ooh, ah, ooh, what is it? It's mysterious. Hello there, my name's Neil David and I'm the host of Eurograps Express, the podcast exclusively dedicated to the wrestling of Europe. If it's wrestling and it happens in Europe and it's good, we talk about it. Whether it's RevPro, Progress, WXW, Passion Pro, Pro Wrestling Chaos, Pro Wrestling North, we don't care, we talk about them all. If it's good and it's exciting, I want to share it with you. We're on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Check us out on the feed. Check us out on Twitter at Eurograps EXP. And join us for chat about European wrestling 
and a little bit of chat about cheese. Hopefully see you there.